Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to another episode of CCT Live, the Cape Cod Times Live Facebook news broadcast brought to you every Thursday at 9 a.m., I'm uh, news editor Patrick Cassidy, and I'm joined today by Colleen Cronin, uh, again on the program. Uh, she's our news intern here at the Cape Cod Times this summer. Um, she's done yeoman's work uh, throughout the year, starting from right from the start and, and continuing on until uh, her last week, this week, unfortunately for us and for our readers. Um, so we had planned to send Colleen off uh, by having her talk about a story she's had ready to go for a little while now. Um, that is, she knows well uh, at this point, breaking news happens, and we're going to spend most of this episode talking instead about what became the big story of the week only yesterday, and that was the shark bite, if you hadn't heard about it, off Truro. We have plenty more information on that that we'll, we'll talk about. We'll also talk about a Mashpee man who was arrested uh, last week for selling shellfish uh, he had harvested from a closed area. And then Colleen will give us a heads up on that story I was talking about before, and uh, we'll try to... Uh, get that in before you head back to school and, and hopefully before you graduate. I mean, that, that would be the, uh, the goal. But hopefully before you, you even leave the Cape, you'll be able to pick up the paper and, and, and have that story in the paper. Um, you can take a look back at our past episodes and follow along at home by going to our website and checking out uh, all our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. cetera. Um, but uh, right now we're going to talk about sharks and one shark in particular and one man in particular who uh, came together on a beach off trail. Uh, Colleen, what can you tell us about kind of the basics of what happened here? So um, yesterday, a 61-year-old man was flown to a hospital in Boston um, after a, a, a shark bite. We're mm. not sure what kind of shark it is. Um, we'll need confirmation from experts on that one. Um, but it was about 300 yards south of Long uh, Nook Beach uh, in Truro, so in National Seashore Territory. Um, it was definitely a shark bite, according to Seashore Chief Ranger Leslie Reynolds. Um, and sometimes shark bites can be sort of hard to identify, so I think that it's kind of critical that we already know that it's a shark bite. Um, and, um, you know, witnesses on the beach and the man himself said he was pretty shy shallow at the time of the bite yeah. um so i guess we'll we'll figure out if it was a great white or not yeah and that's that's the the kind of running assumption but you're right you know first of all uh, when this news uh got to us here in the newsroom somebody heard it on the scanner and and you know photographers and reporters went running out there um uh the first question is is this really a shark bite and and you know we go through our process to try and uh, confirm that through officials who are there firsthand who are talking to witnesses um and in this case uh it quickly became pretty apparent that it was a shark bite and again the seashore uh i think uh were among the first to confirm that um leslie reynolds as you said the chief ranger um who would be the person most uh likely to know uh, quickest uh confirmed that pretty quickly but as you mentioned he would he says he was in um pretty shallow water 
Um, have you ever been to Long Nook Beach in Truro? I have Toronto? not. I've been to a lot of national seashore beaches, a lot of beaches in Truro and East Ham, but just not that one. So you do know that area, and it's it's you know it's the Atlantic coastline, which is pretty rugged. I mean, you're you're out there, and uh, Long Nook Beach, from my understanding, even more than some of the other beaches, is pretty isolated. And those beaches are pretty isolated. I, I don't actually spend a lot of time out there. When you're out there, I mean, it's not like there's a snack shop and, nope. and things going on. You're you're on your own. Um, and so he was, Long Nook Beach was the, is a town-owned beach, but he was far enough south where he was in really only kind of seashore territory. Um, and he says he was standing, as you said, in shallow water, but it gets pretty deep there as well. Um, and it's an area where there have been a lot of uh, shark sightings uh, so far this year. Um, and sharks that have been seen eating seals. Have you ever seen a shark, Kelly? I have not seen a shark. I've seen a dead seal washed up ashore with a big bite taken out of it, but I've actually not seen a shark. And where was that again? That was in Chatham. That was in Chatham, yeah. So, and again, Chatham was the area where it was first, like these sharks first started being seen in large numbers, and there's a large seal population, and a lot of people... uh, um, you know, uh, point to the seal population as the reason that the sharks are here. You had an interesting conversation last night. I did. Um, I was at a selectman's meeting uh, in the town of Chatham, and there was a few fishermen there, and they, one man in particular was saying how, you know, we have so many seals, they're what are attracting the sharks. Um, and, you know, he was saying maybe we should put a bounty out on the seals to, you know, maybe mitigate the shark issue. You know, for him, and I think this is something that a lot of us are thinking about, sharks have been sort of a tourist attraction, but like in Jaws, will they become something that uh, detracts from people coming here? And and again, for fishermen, they're thinking about the seals in another way, too. They see them as competition. Uh, for tourism officials, they see the seals as an attractant for sharks, which they see as competition in a way as well, because they may drive tourists from the beaches. And if the tourists aren't coming up, uh, coming to the beaches, then they're not going to the shops and, and they're not coming to the Cape. Um, but so far, as you said, a lot of people are coming to really uh, hoping, hoping in some respects to see these sharks. Um, but some people are continuing to, uh, you know, swim uh, and, and some of the witnesses in this case said that they thought this man was swimming a little too far out. Uh, interestingly enough, we just got some some news in this morning about his uh, ID, which we had been trying to get. He's um, ID'd by seashore official uh, Leslie Reynolds again as William Lighton, uh, 61 of Scarsdale, New York. So uh, he wasn't from Truro, uh, seemingly. Um, and again, some of the concerns have to do with people coming here and yeah, they've heard about sharks, um, but at the same time, they don't necessarily uh, see it every day in their face. So maybe they get here and they say, yeah, there are sharks in the ocean. I know that. I'm going to swim. It's pretty shallow here. I don't. I feel comfortable. I'm a strong swimmer and, and I feel good about uh, what I'm doing there. Um, and so maybe they do some things that somebody who's kind of paying attention throughout the season wouldn't be doing, um, again, swimming a little further from shore. Um, still gathering a lot of information on this, but but he was apparently 30 yards offshore. Might sound close to some, might sound far away to others, um, and and wasn't near the, the uh, town-owned beach where most of the uh, people were at that point. Uh, it sounded like a really dramatic scene. Uh, essentially, he was uh, uh, found, well, some of the people who first arrived said they found him on the beach, and these were a couple of nurses, uh, I think newly minted nurses who who kind of heard that somebody had bitten bitten by the shark and, and leapt into the action and people grabbed towels and they, they picked him up. We have some photos that were provided to us of that scene of people picking up and 
bringing him up to uh, essentially an area where rescue personnel could get to him. Um, somebody had to go out to, I think, Route 6 or something to make the phone call because it's tor- terrible cell phone reception yeah. there. So all of these uh, factors are playing into kind of questions about what exactly happened here. Um, and and it's unclear what his condition is now. He, he had uh, traumatic injuries to his left leg and hip. Um, do you, Were you... Uh, on the Cape, you would have been on the Cape probably for the 2012 shark bite, right? Yeah, I remember that. And I remember thinking, well, I think even with the shark sightings recently, it definitely gives you pause about how far you're going to go into the water and where you're going to go into the water. Yeah, probably a good thing. The The person in that case was a, a guy named Christopher Myers from Denver, Colorado. Again, not from here. Um, and, and I think he even at the time said he wasn't even then aware that there were that many sharks in the water or that it was a thing that he had to worry about, um, which over the last decade or so, it's become something we've reported on quite a bit. It's made, you know, national news, certainly that the sharks have returned to uh, Cape Cod, the great white sharks in particular. And we're still, again, waiting to identify this shark as a great white um, or or some other species, um, which would be news in itself because kind of the great whites are the sharks uh, around here who we're seeing that are preying on seals and the ones who are most thought of in our area. Um, but he, he suffered injuries to, I think, his, his legs and, and feet and had some tendon damage that had to be repaired, but survived. Uh, the last uh, fatality from a shark attack in Massachusetts was back in 1936. So 1936 fatality, 2012 injury, 2018 injury. People are saying that, you know, again, the, the, idea of a shark biting a person uh, it was inevitable with the numbers of sharks around and the number of people in the waters. Um, so a story that's developing, a story that we're going to continue to follow. You can go to capecottimes.com. You can go to capecottimes.com slash sharks. We have a whole landing page for sharks, including uh, a map that shows you where the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy um, is kind of tracking and, and other organizations are tracking where these sharks are. They have receivers on some of them so they can track them. Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, a nonprofit organization out of Chatham, and they they say, you know, there are there are lessons to be learned, you know, in all of this, and and they say, you know, some of those are, you know, don't swim at dawn and dusk, don't swim too far out, don't swim around seals. People said there were some seals in this area as well. Do you swim with seals? Oh, oh. I mean, you, it seems sometimes inevitable throughout by uh, North Beach and Chatham. All of a sudden, you're swimming and you, they pop up on the bay side and the ocean side. Yeah, they're everywhere. So they're literally everywhere. Yeah, and we've had some amazing videos recently that that, that we've seen and have up on our site uh, of, of the sharks going after striped bass as well off boats on Cape Cod Bay. And that's where people were like, oh, it's shallow Cape Cod Bay. I'm all set. Um, but one of those videos was taken in an area where I myself often am wading out fishing. And, and now I'm, again, as you said earlier, thinking maybe having some second thoughts about doing that. Um, so again, there's plenty on the site. We'll be doing plenty of reporting going forward. Uh, Colleen, you'll have to follow our shark reporting from afar for a little while until you come back and, yeah, and join us again, right? There's not going to be any sharks in Rhode Island. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Rhode Who Island, knows? I think they're... I think there's, they do, certainly. So um, a, another story this week, um, uh, which was a big deal, it actually uh, started last week uh, um, in uh, Falmouth at the Falmouth Fish Market. Um, uh, do you eat shellfish, uh, Colleen? I'm not a big shellfish person, I have to say. Oh, it's so good. The oysters, and yeah, I, I, I have a hard time uh, not eating shellfish. 
Uh, I do, uh, you know, try and take care and, and I do like eating shellfish in the winter more than the summer because of the possibility of some uh, problems with the shellfish. But it's hard to resist, uh, certainly on, on a, a nice summer day, uh, an oyster or half a dozen oysters. In this case, uh, a Mashby man was arrested actually last Thursday, I believe, and charged with sh selling shellfish. I'm going to try and say this without uh, getting into that selling shellfish problem, but uh, that he caught from what officials are saying is a pond that was closed to shellfishing. They're saying it's closed because of this kind of uh, presumptive uh, idea that the shellfish there could be contaminated. It's closed during part of the season, um, again, the spring, summer months, and then usually reopened in the in the fall and winter. Um, Carlton Hendricks III, he's 28 years old from Mashpee. He pleaded guilt, not guilty uh, on August 9th, Friday in Falmouth District Court. He, he says that he, um, to these charges of sh uh, shellfishing in a contaminated area, improperly tagging shellfish, incorrect shellfish labeling, and not having a permanent in his possession. He says that the area was not, uh, there were no signs that told him he couldn't be shellfishing there. He did have uh, a commercial shellfishing permit and, and another uh, permit that was required to do this. Um, but but he says, he's a, he's a member of the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe. He says, you know, as a member of the tribe, they have aboriginal rights to shellfish and hunt, um, you know, where they choose. Um, and, and that is true. It, the the it kind of rub is when they run into state laws as far as sh selling shellfish, and those are very strict in terms of what you can and can't do and where you can and can't fish. Um, and so he says he was uh, there were no postings at Great Pond where he was uh, taking these shellfish from. Um, uh, our reporter, Tanner Stenning, spoke with Falmouth fish market owner David uh, Shazade yesterday. Um, that was the fish market where um, where Hendricks had sold these shellfish. And uh, Shazade said that Hendricks had actually mislabeled them and said he got them from uh, Wakoit Bay when they had really been taken from Great Pond. So some some contentions, allegations back and forth as far as what really happened there, here. Um, environmental officials with the town uh, say that the, the Great Pond area, they, they do post it. They say anybody who's shellfishing or a, shell, a commercial shellfisherman should know that that area is off limits. Um, and, and they say it is off limits because, again, of this historic uh, issue with, uh, with fecal coliform there, a type of bacteria. Um, and, and so they close it down for certain time periods. It doesn't sound like they go and test it and close it because they're finding things as much as they're just uh, kind of, again, presumptively assuming that it's an area where you don't want to be uh, shellfishing or harvesting shellfish during certain times of the year. Um, so, so again, they say he should have known. Uh, Shazade says uh, everybody was really quick to react, and what they've done is they've recalled voluntarily uh, more than 9,000 uh, quahogs uh, uh, that uh, were kind of in their uh, store at the time when he was selling uh, his shellfish to them. Um, and only about 500 of those were really found and were able to be destroyed, according to Department of Public Health officials. Uh, there's a bunch more that it, they had just been sold and they were just out there in the market and they couldn't track them down. There's been no reports of any of any illnesses. So uh, Mr. Shazade says, listen, we've never had a problem with shellfish that we bought from him. Um, and we, you know, we are cooperating fully with the authorities and we're, we're making sure that we're getting as much of these shellfish back as we can and destroying them. Um, and we've been in this business for 30 years and, and in a lot of ways we have to trust the fishermen who are coming in and, and selling as long as all the paperwork's there, we're, we're putting a lot of trust in those fishermen. So, uh, this is a case where this, uh, uh, case will go forward in court and we'll see what happens there. Certainly uh, Hendricks is disputing the charges and, and uh, 
uh, we'll have to follow up and see where that ends up. Um, so now, again, looking ahead, this would have been the story we would have been talking about as the big story this the, uh, week because, again, it was one that you've worked on. I know you've enjoyed working on it. Uh, it's about uh, some work at some cemeteries and somebody who you tagged along with and, and talked to. Tell us a little bit about it so our readers uh, can think about it before they get to read it uh, in the next couple of days or by next week at least, I promise. Um, this was one of my favorite stories that I've uh written this summer and gotten to observe. Um, they're re restoring the Universalist Cemetery, which is behind the Federated Church of Hyannis, which is really just across the street from here, not a um, far walk. They've put up a fence um, to kind of detract uh, maybe some negative behavior that would be happening in there. Um, the conservator that I've talked to, Donald Colby, um, has found like golf balls and trash in the cemetery, even after the fence has gone up. But She's hoping that maybe those were things that were there before the fence went up. The golf up. balls fascinated me. So people were maybe going in and shipping. And she said that's not the first time she's seen this kind of thing happen where people are using a graveyard as a driving range, but just... you never know. So um, so Donna Wilkobe is the woman that I've been uh, talking to. She's fascinating. She knows so much about graves. She knows so much about the history. Um, she's done a lot of work in Falmouth. Um, she's from Mashpee. So she's local. Yeah. Um, she's definitely got a lot of great stories, an incredibly quotable person. Um, she's been working to actually repair the stones as well. Um, she's Her primary job right now is sort of looking at the stones, seeing what kind of work uh, needs to be done, estimating the cost of the work. Um, she says that it'll probably be a three-year plan to restore the um, cemetery, which is sort of not in great shape. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stones are turned turned over, um, and you know they range from uh, the earliest stone in the graveyard is from the 1820s, um, and the latest stone is from 2008. Wow, wow, that so is So it really stretches a span of time. There's uh, a lot of sea captains there. You're going to see a lot of famous famous Cape Cod names like the Crockers, the mm -hmm. Baxters, um, Bursas. Any Cronins in there? No, I, uh, you know, they're thinking they, famous Cape yeah, Cod names. No. Yeah. I wish, I wish they think they were still in Ireland at that point. You, maybe you can <laughs> still get a spot there for the future. Not well, the... I think that they've said that they think the graveyard is full. Okay. Um, but Donna has some very interesting ways of looking for the graves, which you should read the That's story if say. you would like to find out. She's incredible. You might think she's a little bit different, but she acknowledges the fact that she's a little bit different. And uh, I think that it's great. Yeah, that was, that was some of my favorite quotes. And I've had a chance to read this story now. And you will, too, uh, coming forward. You can, you can read those quotes and enjoy them yourselves and find out about some of those interesting techniques she has for, for finding the graves. Um you can uh, also, uh, again, check out everything we've been talking about on our website, CapeCutTimes.com. Thanks again for joining us. Tell your friends. Share the link. Uh, feel free to reach out with any story tips or ideas. All our emails are available at CapeCutTimes.com. Colleen, thank you very much for being here this summer. It's been a real pleasure, and, and we've really enjoyed uh, the, the work that you've done. I know readers have enjoyed it and, and have benefited from it. Um, so good luck going forward. Thank and you. again, thanks. You're going to do great. Uh, we're where news starts here on Cape Cod. Until next week, have a good morning and good luck. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast 
set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.